Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And now, let's recite the Lord's Prayer together. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This uh, series we're going to begin here, Our Father, is where we're going to really learn how to, uh, today specifically, we're going to learn from Jesus and how we, he prayed, how he prayed. But each week, I'm going to do a, kind of a, an overview of what is prayer and learning how Jesus prayed and why he prayed. Um, in the weeks to follow, starting next week, we're going to take the, the Lord's Prayer uh, verse by verse uh, through the rest of the series. And the team's going to help us do that. And looking forward to everyone getting back here together next week. But this week, is a, this is a humbling topic to come and to, and to preach on, on prayer how to uh, address our Father in prayer. Because the more I looked at it and studied it and, and read and prayed through it, it's, it's, uh, it's revealing to me in my own personal prayer life how, how far short I fall of my desires to praying with the Father. And so I, was found, I found myself, uh, quite frankly, having to take this stick of shame and, and quit beating myself with it, you know? Um, what God revealed to me is that even when I am lacking in faith or faithless, He remains faithful, continuously faithful. And that promise that God has revealed to me through His scriptures and through this time that we can take a lot of uh, security in that he is a faithful God even when we lack in faith um, we desire for prayer to be uh, greatly valued here in our church greatly valued so much so our leadership our elders have come together and said uh, that is going to be one of our stated five values that we pray we pray bigger than we plan uh, this is a, a value that we came up with about two and a half years ago and we want to make sure that we are praying bigger than we plan. So we are going to uh, develop all of our resources around that, this, specifically this year, because this year we've also identified that this is gonna be a year of praying boldly. And so you should be hearing from ministry leaders and staff members and elders about this uh, admonition, all the way from children, through youth ministries, through our, 
um, life groups that you we're going to be looking to be praying uh, boldly this year. So be looking forward to that. And we're starting right now. We're starting this year with as we focus on prayer. We want to grow in this, and we are going to grow in this. Wherever you are at personally, we want to see your prayer life expand and double-click out and come to more and more opportunities for how you, God can be uh, ministering to you through prayer and those people around you. Uh, prayer is uh, going to be very important. So praying bigger than we plan. Uh, we are intentionally starting this season um, with the idea of praying bold. And as the new year begins, we're reflecting back and looking upon what the, the Lord had for us last year and uh, looking and envisioning forward for what the Lord has for us coming ahead. As I was greeting many of you coming in, some of you say this is just another day, just another year, and some of you are like, I've got some really high hopes for this coming year. Um, there's different ways that people come about looking at the year, but we want to look at it as a great opportunity for us individually and collectively as a church to grow and mature in prayer. Uh, so we're starting this series to, today uh, to grow in communion with God in prayer. And Jesus' disciples watched their Messiah pray to his Father and longed to learn more about this deep intimacy Jesus had uh, with the Father. And so he said, Lord, the, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's where we're going to find ourselves going through uh, the Lord's Prayer. So I want to start off by, by mentioning a book that I've uh, been reading. I have not finished it yet. Uh, many of you may know of it, Prayer by Timothy Keller. Him and his wife, Kathy, uh, wrote this book together. And uh, he's a wonderful minister in Manhattan, uh, New York, and has done great things for the gospel in many different ways of reading and uh, writing and preaching. And I want to bring to your attention something that in the very beginning of his book in chapter 1 about how prayer became a... Uh, a greater force within their marriage, okay? So I'm going to give you a couple opportunities this morning in, in our service here to close your eyes so you can focus. Some uh, sweet Japanese believers, when I was in Japan on a mission trip, when I was preaching there, uh, many of the Japanese people closed their eyes as they listened to the interpretation. And I thought they were just taking a snooze, but they assured me later on it allowed them to focus. So here's your opportunity to focus. Close your eyes. All right, so Timothy Keller writes this. In the fall of 1999, I taught a Bible study course on the Psalms. It became clear to me that I was barely scratching the surface of what the Bible commanded and promised regarding prayer. Then came the dark weeks of New York after 9-11, when our whole city sank into a kind of corporate clinical depression, even as it rallied. For my family, the shadow was intensified as my wife, Kathy, struggled with the ongoing effects of Crohn's disease. Finally, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. At one point during all this, my wife urged me to do something with her we had never been able to muster the self-discipline to do regularly. She asked me to pray with her every night. Every night. She used an illustration that crystallized her feelings very well. As we remember it, she said something like this. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine. A pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? No. 
Would you get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget that you would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we are facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't let it just slip our minds. So it goes on to say about how the, the, maybe the illustration was powerful enough and gripping enough in the time that they were, but they decided at that moment that they were going to come together and pray every night, and they have remained faithful to do so. And as of the printing of 2013, they remain to pray. Even when they're in different hemispheres, they get on the phone and they pray together at night because they believed that they were that desperate to go to God for his help. I really look up to this, this couple for doing that. It's a great admiration that they are doing this together. And so I look at you and I say, as you evaluate, as you think about, as you do inventory of your own prayer life, how would you classify where you're at with your prayer life? If you're like me, you're thinking there's always room to grow, whether it's in depth or in length or in frequency or in passion or in scripture, there's many different ways. It's multifaceted what this prayer is, and so I wanna get into discussing what is prayer now. So what is prayer? What is prayer? Well, prayer is more about communicating with God than it is communicating to God. It's more about communicating with God. It's a conversation, as many people say, and it's a way that you can be able to be known by God and to know God better. It's a way for you to become more aware of who, what your feelings are as he helps to reveal your, your, inner, your inner thoughts, your inner feelings. What is prayer? It's more about communicating with God as opposed to communicating to God. Who should pray? Or why should you pray? Why should you pray? For many reasons, it's to be known. And another reason is it's, it's to be obedient. It's to be... Uh, responsive, responsive to God and for who He is and what He has done in your life. Another a, 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 a acronym that we use here at the church quite a bit and many people around the world use is the acronym called ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adore God. You go through a, a, a section of your praying of adoring God, tell Him who He is and why He is to be praised. It gives, you, it gives your mind a right correction to be able to know who you're addressing. We're addressing the, the, the king of the universe. We are addressing uh, God Almighty. And I think oftentimes we forget that because we take it so casually. So we adore God. Secondly, confess. We confess our sins to God. We confess that he is God and we are not and we ask God where we are not, we don't have sins to confess, we ask him to reveal those sins to us so that we can do, be faithful to confess them. That's confession, it's a prayer, it's, it's a section of prayer that we need to be faithful to address. Adore God, confess our sins, T, be thankful. Come to God with great thanksgiving for what he's done, for the opportunities he's provided you, to give thanks in all circumstances. And lastly, S is supplication. And for the kids in the room, maybe it's stuff. You ask God for stuff. You're asking God for helping people who are, um, who are next door neighbors, family, or 
classmates, it's an opportunity to make your, your request known to God through supplication. This is why we should pray. This is why we need to be faithful to come to God in prayer. How do you pray? Many pray with many different postures. You can pray, biblically we can see people praying with their hands up. We can see people kneeling. We can see people with their eyes. Even Jesus prayed with his eyes open. You can keep your eyes closed. Uh, in whatever ways it helps you to focus, some people will light a candle and pray with the scriptures open and, and hear God's words being uh, God speaks to us through his word. It's a great way. That's an ideal way to go about praying is with the word open. But you don't have to be restricted to just that. One of my, one of my favorite prayers was this past summer. I was laying on my back on a paddleboard with my eyes looking up and my hand holding my wife's, and we prayed together up at Horse Tooth Lake. There's many different ways you can approach God in gratitude and reverence, uh, but approach him. There's no, there's no perfect way to address and how do you pray. He speaks to us, and we, better, we hear him best when we're not talking. We hear it through his word. What should you pray for? The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, it tells us to pray without ceasing. So that, to me, means that throughout the day, there's whisper prayers. You are continually talking to God. Help that checker, if that checker is diff looking discouraged. Uh, help that person driving with that road rage. Help me to have patience with that person driving with road rage. Uh, whisper prayers throughout the day. Whispering up prayers for your children, for your classmates, your roommates. Uh, this is how we should move forward with how we should be praying. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, and so pray about everything. Everything. I'm going to read for us again uh, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this is an opportunity for us to move forward in learning how we should pray, what we should be praying for, and when you pray, what will happen? What will happen when you do pray? Well, there's a list of things that can happen, and you will recognize that you are not God. And we need that reminder. We need to humble ourselves to realize we're not the center of the universe. When we pray, we learn these things. Secondly, you realize that the world doesn't begin and end with you. The world does not begin and end with you. Thirdly, you will gain strength from outside of yourself. You'll get courage. You'll be reminded of God's promises as you read, as you pray with your Bibles open. You will surrender control to somebody else. You'll communicate your feelings, your real feelings. And lastly, you will trust that God is with you. This is what a vibrant prayer life unpacks and unfolds for us is that we can go forward trusting Jesus is with us and his promises. So I don't think that Jesus prayed as simple, was, was praying throughout the Gospels, uh, was praying as simply a, as a model for us to follow. I don't believe that. I believe he was dependent upon his Father. And we remember that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. Uh, but there, in that fully man portion of him, 
uh, on the fully man deity that he was, he had, the, he had the need to come and be dependent upon God. I'm gonna show you some, I looked over 30 different passages through the Gospels to, to see ways that Jesus, how he prayed. Just how did Jesus pray? We're gonna look at how he prayed and we're also gonna look at why he did. So firstly, how did Jesus pray? He went by himself to the mountains and he went is by himself, he was alone. Matthew 14, 23 says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And I look at that, I think, as a ministry leader. Oftentimes, I do the praying before the event. Here, we see Jesus is doing it after the event. He's praying that the ministry will go forward. He's praying to be resourced by God again. After the crowds dismissed, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. He left his disciples, he left them to go and pray. Secondly, Jesus was into all-nighters. Maybe not like the way the youth group does downstairs, but he was in all nighters. He went, in these days, he went up to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. This is, uh, th- this is a prayer life that is not to be seen. This was a prayer life where he was not showing off. He was by himself. He was praying. He was communing with the Father. That commune is a way of, of relating, conversing, fellowship. And we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a, a view on fellowship we just cannot get to. How close and interactive and conversational they were with one another. It was such a, a, beautiful, look, a beautiful look for us all to aim for. Jesus was in all-nighters. He went up to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Thirdly, he was an early morning guy. Jesus got up early in the morning, even while it was still dark. Mark 1.35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He is removing himself from the temptations of others. He's removing himself from the distractions He's removing himself to go and be with God by himself. And lastly, I see in Luke 5.16 that he slipped away to go in the wilderness. He went to desolate places. He would withdraw to desolate places, and there he would pray. Jesus is doing something beautiful here in living a life of great dependence and great fellowship with God and great sacrifice. Why did Jesus pray? We see how he prayed, but why did Jesus pray was a question that we felt needed to be answered. This is Jesus who is fully God and fully man, so why would he have this need to pray if he knew his own thoughts? And it's a great mystery. It's a great mystery that will never be understood, but it's a great way to see in how a great man, Jesus, demonstrate his tremendous need for the Father. And he did this out of great respect for his sovereignty, for God's sovereignty. We'll see in Hebrews 5, verse 7, the writer says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus had great reverence for the Father. 
great respect, great adoration for the Father. And it was demonstrated throughout his life. I'm going to give you another moment here to have a time to close your eyes. As we're going to, I, want you, I want to read for you a passage that many of us are familiar with who have been walking with Jesus for some time. And this is when Jesus prayed um, before he was handed over to his betrayer and the soldiers. He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he had just finished having his last supper with his disciples. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen to me as I read uh, Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here. Well, I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face. And he prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed. My father, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Okay, you can open your eyes. Jesus is praying in his last, he knows, he, he doesn't, his last hours. And he's full of desperation to God. And he's feeling what is coming, about to come his way. Really, the wrath of God is going to be placed on his shoulders. And he is crying, he is praying, he is sweating droplets of blood full of anguish as he's given this to the God. This is a, a side of prayer where he is communing with God. He's being fully known and he's being fully aware of who God is. And then on the other side of the commune with, with God in prayer, there's this side of the kingdom of God that Jesus prays for himself that he would be obedient, that he would be um, willingly following God's commands, God's call on his life. He's asking for if there's any other way out. Help me, God. And then it's in, in right next to that, he's saying, your will be done. He's expressing his full feelings. He's expressing his full heart. He's coming fully alive to God as he's about ready to come into death. Jesus demonstrates to us, this is a great demonstration, I believe, the scriptures give us of how we can be fully available and aware and transparent with God, with our fears, with our successes, 
everything in between. And then also be willingly praying that, God, where I'm at, if you're not going to get me out of this job, use me in it. God, if you're not going to change my neighbors, change me that I can be loving to them. God, I can't forgive my spouse for what they've done to me. I can't do it. But if you're not going to take that spouse away, then change my heart. Change me. Remember how Jesus taught, taught us so many different things? He even told us when we have our enemies, what do we do for our enemies? We pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Prayer changes us. And we're a group of people, if you're like me, we need to be changed. And just like our youth pastor prayed at the very beginning, that we would become more and more like Jesus this year. And the way we're going to do that is through prayer. When we humble ourselves and look to God. We're going to go back to uh, the passage that I had Jolene read for us at the very beginning. And Wait, before I get there, I want to, I want to do one last section here, one last section that I want to point to. So we learn about Jesus. We learn how he prayed. We learn why he prayed. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? As we remember, we've been given audience with the Almighty. We have the Almighty at uh, our ready at any moment. So we, I think we have resolution to pray as a church. And I've come up with some identifications for myself that I want to grow in prayer in. These are not to be prescribed to you, but these are just to be transparent before you what I'm going to be moving forward in prayer, praying for. I'm praying that God, by God's grace, I will begin medita meditating and memorizing God's Word. I've been doing that this past year, and it's been revealing a lot of fruit, and I want to continue doing that. But how I'm going to change that for my own life is... In my daily reading of, or my, my reading of God's word, after I read, I want to meditate on what I just read. I want to work on memorization before I move into prayer. I have not been doing that. And that's a place where I can grow in. I want to meditate on what I just read and pray through it. Secondly, I want to be praying scripture. I want to be praying scripture. I, I need to know the scripture. And if, and, and if I'm going to be praying it, I need to hide it in my heart and be praying it as it's memorized in my heart. Thirdly, I want to fight and begin to end my day with prayer. Fight to begin and end my day in prayer. Not just in the morning, but I want to fight to do it at, the, at night. And praying, one of my great mentors in my life, he says, praying is hard. It is hard to do. But it is so worthwhile. And if you're a struggling perfectionist like myself, it may be hard to get there, but it's... It, it's, it's hard to leave once you're there. Just need to get there. And lastly, pray without ceasing. When I drive by a school, I want to be praying for that school. I want to be whispering up prayers throughout the day. As God brings your face and your names to me, I want to be praying. So in that passage I had Jolene read in Romans chapter 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This promise is what directs 
a response from us. As we read this, this has to change how we feel about ourselves. To have this security of the love of God given to us, bestowed upon us, it makes, it, it, it makes for an, an unreal response, an unreal feeling of security of who we are in, in Jesus as the children of God by what he has declared for us. One New, one New Testament scholar put it as a religious experience that is ineffable. Is ineffable, which means you can't write about it, you can't speak about it, it's un, you, you can't describe it with words. That's what this passage does for us. It, the religious experience that is ineffable because the assurance of secure love in God is mystical in the best sense of the word. So if you were to put this into uh, current trendy, trendy uh, language, you would say a religious experience that is extra dope, okay? A religious experience that is dripping. A religious experience that is ineffable, that you just cannot describe because of what you learn about who you are in Jesus. Time with Jesus is not another task. It is a treasure. And I think for many of us, we come to Jesus as a task. That's a confession. Those little check boxes that we want to check in the morning to get on with the rest of our day, I get it. It's tempting. But to position ourselves with more time available to be more fluid and responsive to who God is and how He is being ministering to us in the moment has a reward that is beyond this earth. This is the Redeemer. This is the Almighty that we are engaging with, that we get the opportunity to. So time with Jesus is not another task. It is a treasure. Time with Jesus is a treasure. As I thought about people in my life who have modeled prayer before me, several of you are in this room. There was one man who used to be in this room. He's gone on to be with Jesus now. Some of you may remember him, Jim Weber. Jim Weber was a missionary of our church and he went to Japan, him and his wife, Dorothy. They went over on a freighter with a suitcase in hand to an unknown destination in Japan to reach uh, a country that is totally unreached by Jesus. Currently, one half of 1% of the population of Japan, of over 130 million people, one half of 1% believe in Jesus. And some of those people are because Jim and Dorothy Weber went over there and lived for 25 years, built three different churches in a, in a conference center. I got to see it firsthand back in 2008. But Jim, what was influential to me was not all of that work he did in Japan, but what really holds a spot in my heart is when I was at his memorial right here in this room, his six or seven grandchildren were all standing up here and they were telling stories of grandpa. And one of the kids looked at the rest of them and says, do you guys remember the creaking floors at grandpa's house? 
And they all started nodding their heads yes, because they would be in their bedroom, boys in this room, girls in this room, and Jim would be out in the hallway, and he'd be walking back and forth between their doorways that were shut as they were going to sleep, and he was whispering prayers over each one of his grandchildren. And the grandchildren knew that. They could hear him praying. It's men like that that may bring uh, inspiration to me to be like Jesus, to get up alone in the middle of the night and to pray, to be known by God, to know him better. Jesus did it. Jim Weber did it. I want to be faithful to do it as well. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.